Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. This is Mike Grant. I'm Kyle Timberlake. I'm Rashad, the master of cheese, Navid. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. That's right. I am really excited this morning to be joined by the uh, fellas from Surgeon Destroy. Everyone um, wants to be sad. <laughs> Everyone wants to, want be you. wants to be hashtag sad. sad. I was going to say the saddest club in the country. The saddest That's club right. in the country. <laughs> um, I'm here today with Kyle Rashad and Mike, um, some of my uh, buddies and our players from uh, Southern California, from the Orange County, L.A., sort of a greater some San Diego. So sort of just like uh, the, the greater uh, Southern California scene. Um, and today we're going to be doing a little West Coast check-in, see what everyone on the West Coast has been up to over the last few months. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Surge and Destroy, uh, sort of the, the main club that's sort of grown out in the Southern California area. We're, we're going to talk a little bit of Riddle of Steel, which is one of our big tournaments here um, in California. Yeah, so I, we're going to have a really cool episode just checking in with the Southern California guys. Um First, uh, Kyle, uh, and I think, Mike, have you been on the show before? Uh, yeah, I was an early guest on the show uh, many, many years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, all, we've all had you guys, you know, um, so we're going to do a little round, round the uh, horn hobby update. We won't go too much into uh, sort of origin stories since the countercharge community, I think, uh, has gotten familiar with you guys having been on the show before. But why don't we start with you first, Mike? What have you been up to hobby-wise? Oh, wow. Well, the first thing is I've just gotten into uh, the new Armada game, so I'm excited about that. I can't wait to get some tabletop, so I've uh, been working on my hobby area, so I've got a couple of tables now. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. I've got a water table for Armada, and uh, that's going to be exciting. I'm planning on having people over to my place for some games. Another exciting thing. So that's what I've been working on in kind of the spare time here. And of course, I have a number of army projects that I've been doing. I'm kind of like the factory of, of army building. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike's one of those hobbyists that always blows blows my mind. It's like, I finished another spear infantry model, singular. And then Mike's like, check out this whole new army that I painted in a weekend. It makes the speed painting definitely look good. I was very impressed and, with And what too. I like about Mike's armies, too, is I'm a big fan of, like, theme. Um, I know that uh, Alex Kuse and Billy have been getting together. They have an episode coming out about sort of um, talking a little bit more about how you create a theme of an army. And I really, mm-hmm. I, I really like, you know, Mike and then Scott Holcomb, who's going to be on the show today, uh, but who couldn't make it, who's also another S- Southern California guy. And you guys would know him from Masters. He did an amazing pirate army. But you guys are really good at uh, thinking of like a basing theme and a, a theme of an army. Is that something, Mike, when you're working on your armies, is that sort of like the genesis or the seed that you start off with is sort of like, what do I want my army theme-wise to be? Or yep. where do you start when you're doing a new army project? Absolutely. So the I really like the visual parts of the army, the presentation. And I've known that uh, that, that can have an impression on on 
what what your character is or maybe what how you feel about the game i i really have tried to explore different colorways to get the fantasy world out let's say another example would be how i go about it is i'll take a look at something i find online and i'll look at a picture of like a world that i haven't that's like some fantasy world and i'll try to visualize how to create that on the tabletop so uh, World of Warcraft is a good example of that. They have these all these fan, fantastic lands you can go to. So uh, maybe the Shadowlands might be the next project I'll try to create is something that that presents that image on the tabletop, so that you have something fantasy you go to is something really different. Uh, the the most interesting project that I've got the most conversations about is is this floating islands. Uh, herd army that I created. So I I didn't create the list. I have to give that to to Lex Simon. He's in the Texas area. I mean, he's he's really the one that, that probably is worth the most on that list in in the herd. But uh, the 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 army idea just really just fascinated me because Scott has that um, that that water table. So I I, I gifted him a, the the mat for, for when we went to um, the Bay of Kings. So that was his his birthday gift was the the mat, and then he made a whole table for his his uh, pirate army. So it was just this fantastic visualization that we had on this. When we go to his house and visit him, we can actually see the whole table come together, the whole army, the table, and everything. Generally speaking, just to inter- interject in this, I had this idea that I was going to do this this um, Pirates of the Caribbean army with skeletons. So it was going to be a good guy to bad guys. He was going to do the good guy one, and I was going to do the bad guy. And I still never have gotten to do the pirate theme, but he visualized it better than I did. And I was like, hey, he did it. You did it. <laughs> you know? So now I've got my own water table, and I'm going to be making a skeleton pirate army to come. To, to bring awesome. those two tables together, so that's cool. Uh, that's that's kind of the whole goal I'm I'm going with, and and I I was so lucky to help Scott with his army. So I I'm I'm in electrical engineering, so uh, I helped him with some of the the electrical part of that project. So with the smog, I mean the folk the smog the fog machine and the, the smoke machine, uh, the smoke and the light yeah. that's in the tower, and and so it's it's a. Uh, um, the project was great, so we, we we visualized how we could could run these tubes throughout the whole base of the, and, and it just comes out of it. And you know, I was like, where would you have the smoke come out? I was like, well, I would do a skull, like have the smoke come out of this, you know. So, and he just made it happen. He just like, okay, let's, let's do it, <laughs> you know. So it was it was really a fun project to to be able. I to love like the Cold them. War the Cold War arms race for display boards because it used to just mm-hmm. be size, right? Just make the biggest display board possible. But now it's like if your display board doesn't have animatronics <laughs> or voice acting. <laughs> are like a projection movie. You're 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 a scrub. You talked scrub. about that, but on, <laughs> on our way back from Masters, we literally talked about a rotating uh, like orc army on a it was like on a stage. It was like a heavy metal. Band. Yeah, we like, uh, yeah. still have that idea. Of that <laughs> I, I I think I've converted it to uh, be better to be uh, the, the Varanger or or something like that. It'd yeah, be like so a little yes. bit more heavy metal. But yeah, I still have that that drawn up. I, I still have that <laughs> idea. Like, how do we how do we get the stage? How do we get the light up the stage? This is gonna be fantastic. Gonna have rockers. <laughs> gonna have mohawks. <laughs> I love it. And that's one of that's one though, of the things yeah. I love about the West Coast is what we maybe lack in raw player numbers. What we do have is we have a lot of really great artists and a lot of really great minds and and really good players. So you know what we don't have in quantity, we have in quality. You know, so as you guys are always having such great ideas, it's fun to watch. That's right, Texas. It's not just about quantity; it's about quality. Yeah, it's about it's right. about how you. <laughs> it's about the motion in the ocean a little bit too, and not just the size of the boat. Yeah, All right, that's what I tell myself in the so when I wake up, so I'm not so sad. Anyway, uh, Kyle, <laughs> what have you been up to hobby-wise? 
Uh, so I'm making a uh, 99% Mantic uh, Dwarf Army. Ooh, why not go 100 yeah. then? Well, because I, I have a horde of bulwarks, and the the arms that Mantic supplies for the bulwark spears just blow. They're bad. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> they're not great. Uh, so, so what I, what I, but I really wanted True. those uh, uh, pavices they have. So I like, the, I really like the that big shield they had because we should bring big big shield back to bulwarks. New new thing mm-hmm. on Facebook. Let's go. It. And I've been playing it with the brew of strength and the horde. And I was like, I had them with just regular spears from Fireforge games. You know, if they had the brew of strength, everyone knows a halberd's ten times cooler than a spear. So it's a bunch of Fireforge spear uh, halberds in the arms of the guys. Everything else is is mantic though. So this is an army I built right before third edition was announced. And I converted like three regiments of Iron Guard to have the defense five with crush one. And then third edition came out and they don't have that option anymore. <laughs> so I had to convert everything back to regular yeah. shields. Downer. <laughs> it was, that was the last thing I did. I just I spent so much time finding all the bits to make them two hand, uh, two hand weapons that didn't work, but. And now I'm just punching it through, trying to get everything ready for uh, Lone Wolf. So it's been my first tournament in person since Masters over a year ago now. So I'm excited. Yeah, so like Lone Wolf's coming up at the end of April. I know uh, a few of us are going, and um, my uh, fiancé was vaccinated, and I'm probably going to be vaccinated too before, but by that point. So I'm feeling pretty um, uh, happy to be going. But again, as we always say, when it comes to events within the COVID, you know, we're not trying to promote you going to an event if you feel uncomfortable or trying to disparage people who make that personal choice. Totally up to you on what your your risk threshold should be. What about you, Rashad? I know After Dark's been really, really just slamming last last few weeks. A lot of people nightly on After Dark. What have you been up to hobby-wise? You know, it's funny you mention After Dark because it's really been a savior during the pandemic for me. It's because I haven't seen most of my closest friends in, I want to say, a year, right? You know, my my best friends I've seen maybe two or three times in this year. So it's been really nice to be on almost every night where I was on this morning with uh, Kyle Pretzel Twinkie and Felix Castro. There's always somebody on if somebody sends a message saying, hey, I want a hobby. And it's been basically my social life, as sad as that sounds. Austin is on. Dan is always on. Felix, Gibney, Billy, Paige, and uh, Matt Croger recently as well. It's been nice to have uh, Aussie guys on as well. Of course, Jeremy's on all the time. So been getting a lot of hobby done on After Dark, which is nice. Also been getting a lot of drinking done on After Dark, which is nice. Become like the bar. We talk about what we're working on and we talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives. And uh, yeah, After Dark's been great. I've been working on uh, nature myself for the past three months. I've had the models now for, I want to say two years, two and a half years. I've been slowly buying models every time I see something for nature that I like, I, I would buy it. And I now finally started putting the army together and, uh, yeah, working on uh, Earth Elementals, Forest Shamblers, the World Father, Beasts of Nature, you know, all the fun stuff in, in nature. So that's been good. Yeah, that's uh, that's my hobby right now. I've been over to Cal's house a few times uh, in the last few weeks because most people have been vaccinated and we've been having game days outdoors in his uh, backyard, which is very nice. Kyle did some uh, tri-tip barbecue a couple of weeks back. That was really sweet. And yeah, I am the nice. meat master. You are, you are the meat master. You really are. <laughs> and it's been nice meeting also new players over there at uh, Kyle's. So we should probably talk about that a little bit as well because it's been like a new thing uh, closer to heart in Los Angeles because our game days used to be always in Orange County and Orange County is like an hour south of here. So it's been really nice to be able to, you know, 
drive to somebody for 15, 20 minutes and get a game, and especially against the new players. So that's been sweet. The question is, Kyle is known for when he plays his base aliens before <laughs> he, in, in, in shame, left the, the hegemony to play dwarves. He had a big giant Roman helmet. Now, do you have a big like Viking dwarf helmet to wear when you play your dwarves, or is that a work in progress? Well, first of all, uh, Vikings never had <laughs> horns in their helmets, so uh, we're going to spend the next 20 minutes like, getting rid of this. Um, <laughs> shout out to uh, Roger Hedgeth. I know he's the actually meme, that. right? Well, actually. Yeah, actually. And none of my dwarves uh, in my army have horns either, so of course not. But I'm definitely down to get a Gimli-style helmet. I just need to find one that fits my fat head. And the Roman helmet was cool, but it was definitely a very cheap one I bought off Amazon because it was cheap and it definitely didn't fit well so i'm gonna look to spend a couple extra bucks make sure i i don't uh crush my head with the helmet see, next that time. makes sense you know i'm sort of known for wearing my the karate kid headband and the first mm-hmm. one i got was like crappy so then i actually spent a lot and got like you know like in stepbrothers when he has like the movie actual chewbacca mask i got yeah. like, <laughs> like movie actual like karate kid headband made from actual like real real like cloth and it's like way nicer because if you're going to wear it something for like a whole tournament you should at least be comfortable and stylish yeah so. i will be wearing a kilt though so if anyone wants easy access after the tournament <laughs> okay well that's a dangerous uh, uh out. offer to give at a yeah. Texas tournament. so just stay away from uh uh devlin is all i gotta say just say just stay away from him so well for me uh i've been up to a lot of stuff we're super busy you know in the personal life um we're getting married in august so Woo. we've been doing a lot of thank you Fantastic. we've been doing a lot of uh preparation for that I have gotten uh, back into reading comics a little bit again. I loved comics as a kid. I had a huge collection. And I think that like what we're seeing now in COVID is like the whole hobby collectibles is like world is on fire because I think a lot of people, you're at home. What do I have to do? And I've been dealing with some health issues around my eyes. And I was a voracious reader. And then I read all the way up through college, all the way up through grad school. Uh, I was a history uh, major in school. And uh, over the last couple of years, I've been having some issues reading, and uh, I really miss that. And I found whatever it is, and I won't go super into it, but reading a comic book is easier for me than reading uh, like an actual book. So it's been nice to sort of be able to escape a little bit. And I used to always read before going to sleep. It was one of the things before, as Rashad would know, the introduction of the Magic Twinkie. What I would do to help me fall asleep at night is I would read a book for a little bit, right, in, in lieu of the special gummies. But uh, now that I, I've struggled with that, I've sort of gone back to reading comic books, which is fun. So I still, I'm getting that sensation of reading. It's a little easier on my eyes. So I've been doing that, and then we're prepping for the wedding. And then hobby-wise, I've been trying to finish. What I have to finish for Lone Wolf is A Horde of Spears and Two Regiments of Elohi, even though that they're awful and... They need to be buffed, so we're gonna we're gonna start our give bulwarkers big shield again slash uh, Alohi need to be better, yeah. which I know mm-hmm. there's a, the big debate of that because people are starting to see Alohi be used in more flying skewed armies. So where you're you're taking Alohi regiments to unlock, and then you're taking Julius and Samacris and a dragon, and it's just you hit that sort of threshold of enough speed. To where there, there may be Elohi's lack of offensive potential. You can sort of hedge that a little bit by just by just doubling down on just speed everywhere. Um, Make Elohi great again. Change my mind. 
Yeah, um, yeah, just, they're great. Um, I mean, I think well, they, they're, they're 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 having some success in that skew. I just don't play that style. I like a more combined arm style, and they're just not super great in that format. I don't think. Um, yeah, stop rooting for us who take one horde of Alohi only. All right. Seriously. Yeah, They they wanted to sorry they wanted to change that unit in order to uh, make it viable as a unit that can be taken in multiples. But for me. All of those flying units that lost Nimble sort of lost the flavor a little bit of the unit. So I can I can feel your pain. But I still think, like you said, in a skew list where you take multiples of them, they would be they would be overly effective if they had Nimble, right? So Yeah, so you, it's, it's in that hard balance, right? Where if you take a full army of them, if you made them better, watch out. But then for us who, who maybe want to use them in a slightly different way... Um, but I've been trying to play with regiments because I think the regiments is sort of like a thick chaff. I got to send Ashley my 50 cents every time I say that. But um, uh, I think it, 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 there's potential there. I haven't mastered it yet, but I think there's some potential there. So I have to finish my Horde of Spears, which I've been posting some progress pictures. I'm really happy with how they're coming out. And then I got to finish um, my two Elohi regiments. So I have a good you know month and a half to get that done. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident that I should finish. I've also been doing some Armada work. I posted some pictures. I've been working on the, the base aliens for that, trying to do like little stained glass in the window. So it would match like thematically my army, because for those who haven't seen my army has ruined cathedrals with these sort of, uh, uh, vellum, like plastic stained glass chipped, uh, sheets. Like they come in just sheets of full windows. And then I chip them to make them look like they've been damaged like uh, damaged in glass. Yeah, damaged like in glass. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have uh, Mike help you with the electronics to put some angelic sounds on the display board. Yeah. Ah, yeah just the opening <laughs> sequence of um, Halo. What I would really love to do. Oh, fantastic one. When I thought of adding electronics, is that that list is to have try to some sort of light source coming through the window would oh, be really yeah. cool. You know, to have like mm-hmm. rays of color. Like I don't know, but I'm not there yet. Got ideas. <laughs> well, 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 Okay, well, we'll 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 discuss and seek. <laughs> just give uh, your opponents acid, and they'll just trip. You know what I think? Rain rain. You know what the next stage for display board is? Really, I'm gonna hire uh, actors. Stripper. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly. Right. I'm gonna hire. I'm wherever I'm gonna go down to the local little garlands or whatever, and be like, "Who wants to make two hundred bucks?" And then they're gonna dress up as abbesses, as sexy cosplay abbesses, and they're just gonna stand next to my display board. No, even better, make it a palaquin. Make them carry the display board around on a palaquin and like a cushion, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You got a whole choir standing in the back. Mm -hmm. And then everybody who's going to give me a player's choice army, the the, the girls will be like, you know, I don't like all the people here, but you're special. Let's hang out out afterwards. Here's my my number, Uh, 855-555-3255. And my PayPal, too, and my Amazon wish list, just, you know, whatever. (laughs) My Patreon. Yeah, yeah, my OnlyFans. Here's my OnlyFans. That's that's what it is, though. It's a tabletop organ. The only way to bring women in is to hire strippers. (laughs) Text 2466. Oh, jeez. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about before air, and I think it's interesting, uh, it will fit into here, is a little bit on UB. You know, they just finished the Sweaty Gigante GT that I know Rashad played in that was really cool. Um, I know for me, my sort of lens on UB has shifted a little bit into where in the beginning it was sort of fun to kind of do some UB tournaments, the weekend events, sort of hang out with people. 
but I found a little bit that I began to kind of feel disconnected a little, both from my opponent and then also from my miniatures that I love. I mean, for me, I like I try to play as competitively as possible, but it still always comes down to the models and the look of the army and the tactile sensation of pushing soldiers around. And really, that's the the magic sauce for me is the models and, and the buddies that you're playing with. So I know UB, I've kind of... I don't think I'm going to be playing many tournaments. I, I still think it's amazing for testing armies because let's say you have a new list and then it's like once you s- begin to get to know people and get involved in the scene, you can be like, oh, I want to play against an elf shooty army. Okay, let me call up. Let me message Keith Randall or let me message the players in the country or in Osh. Let me play Jeff Trace or let me find not only good competition, but you can just get a game with someone who plays a certain style of army, the best in the world. And then yeah. get a practice game. I know, Mike, right. you were kind of talking about that a little bit. Is that sort of kind of where you're at with UB? Yeah, you know, I absolutely am. I, I, I was an early adopter for UB, so I played the first gen of it. And I really thought, uh, you know, 2015-ish time frame. And I really got an, uh, an amplified version of the game through that. And I, So I didn't have to really dabble too much with uh, buying armies and, and trying them, even though I've probably got them all by now. But... Uh, I got I, it was a great exploration because I, I felt like I was doing leaps and bounds of learning in a in a condensed amount of time. And so I, I could absorb material quickly, so it was it was a good experience. And then I was like, now this is a great experience to share with other people. So at that time I was doing videos and I, I made some videos on on different playstyles. Uh, but I'll tell you this, I, I went over to Kyle's and we, we played on the weekend and and we have, we have a couple new great new players over there, uh, John and Phil, who are obviously gamers and they just really have have come into our community. And I and I felt like there was something missing with with um, this UB environment. One part of me was uh, there's a, a touching side to people who are exploring the army and trying it, like uh, giving it an honest effort. They're putting the models together. They're trying it, seeing how that plays out, and and bringing that together on the table. I mean, there's a, a connection between two players that you just don't have in the UB world. I mean, it just... Um, you see their army's presentation. You see the theme that they're trying to to deliver, uh, and then there's this this charm that that's there in a table table game where you're where you're playing. And I feel like I'm missing that in in a UB world. Um, I don't know if if Kyle feels the same about that. I I'm kind of like on that road right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. I think what Jeremy said about it being the best for play testing. It's 100. percent And before it became big for COVID, I was always using it for the past couple of years as I want to try this army out. Let me put it on the table. Even if I don't play anybody, just being able to put it on a table and mess around with the pieces and see how things fit really works. But uh, the current dwarf army I'm taking to Lone Wolf, I settled on it a while ago, but I went through about four or five permutations before I finally figured out what I wanted. To, and it saved me a lot of time in building and painting stuff I wouldn't have used. And I got to play people, my friends. I got to play in a couple tournaments and give it like a real a real uh, run through and it helped me solidify my army. But once that was done and I play tested the point where I, I knew my army was set and I needed to paint it, I kind of just fell off the cliff and I was like, I'm done with UB for the most part. The, for our sad league, the games have been a little bit better. Cause I just, I know those people personally and I was like, okay, cool. It was, it was more laid back one, one game every couple of weeks and stuff. But that weekend grind for a tournament it was weird because I, I pride myself on playing pretty fast and I've never clocked out. I normally have 20, 30 minutes left on the clock most of the time. And mo- I, even against other good players and other stuff, it just seems like all, despite all the good things EB gives you to 
speed the game up, it still takes twice as long to finish often. There is a play style of playing in person, and I think what we've seen over the last year, especially with the how many more UB tournaments, that there's a UB play style, right? Which is the, I'm going to load in a unit, I'm going to check it, I'm checking every single possible angle just to make sure I'm not giving you anything. I'm using the back button to go back a thousand times. So I think (laughs) that even though in some ways... It's faster or not faster. I think there's stylistic things are are uh, maybe you want to even say like a, a way that UB games are played that I personally have sort of begun to wonder if it's adversely affecting how I'm going to play once, you know, things begin to get more and more normal. Because when you're playing a game, you can put a blank base down, but it's not you can't move your whole army and then take it back in two seconds and then Correct. move it again. So I think. Something to keep in mind if you're playing a lot of UB and hope to return to the tabletop, that maybe there are some bad habits you don't want to develop. And I say this under the umbrella that thank God we have it, right? Oh, thank yeah, for sure. God so. we have it. And I'm not and thank you to all the people who have run UB tournaments. I mean, we're gonna talk a little bit about Riddle of Steel, and thank you again to the holy one, Mike Adkins, for uh, Dash 28 Live. And UB yeah, has absolutely. really got, right, it's got us through this horrible year. But I'm just beginning to kind of try to not do it less per se, but just reconceptualize my vision on on where I want UB to be in my hobby budget of time. Like you have a certain amount of time to spend on hobby, right? Or hobby related mm-hmm. things. What about you, Rashad? Um, where are you at sort of with the whole UB thing? Um, I mean, like you said, I'm really happy that we had it over this last year. And I'm happy that people were able to create content and run tournaments for people to enjoy, even though we weren't able to you know, meet in person and play. But I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm on your side with it right now. I've currently uh, just recently joined the playtesting group for Kings of War. And it's been a great opportunity to use UB as a tool to play against, you know, people in Texas or play against you, play against Dan, uh, play against people that are just not close to you. So I think it is a very powerful tool um, for that. I had taken a break since... Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is the last one I was playing. I actually dropped in the middle of that tournament, and the reason for me was back pain at the time. I just um, I was working long office hours, and I couldn't really you know sit there and play another three four hours. I'm I'm with you. I don't think I would uh, run a tournament again in UB, and I also wouldn't want to play in a tournament. And the reason really is the weekend tournaments. If you have to play three or five games and sit in front of a screen for each game for three minimum maybe four hours. That takes the whole weekend, right? Your spouse is going to be angry at you. Uh, you're not going to spend time with your family. You're going to be sitting, looking at a screen. After playing in the format and after also having people play in my own tournament and going through these pains, I think I'm not on the side of playing in a tournament or running a tournament again. But I will continue to play UB uh, with people to uh, test stuff. And one thing I remember also, I took a break from playing games all together, and then I played a game against Kyle at his house. And uh, I have to say, Kings is by far the, it, it, it itches a scratch that, uh, it scratches an itch that um, no other game does for me. So like the tactical part of it, of playing against another person, the whole chess-like aspect to it, there's no other game that can really replace it for me, but I think I would prefer to do that in person, obviously. Yeah, you know, all good points. Um... There's just, just something so great about like hanging with your buddies and seeing your army on the tabletop, and you, especially when you've spent so long painting it and like you put so much effort into it, and uh, it, and there's just something so great about that. So 
But I'm going to keep playtesting, and I think also when you're playtesting, you can do interesting things outside of a tournament. Like, I've done playtest games with Rashad or Tom Annis or, or where maybe you have a really bad key nerve roll in turn one or two, and you guys just forget about it and keep going. You know, because you're really trying to get a sense of the army, right? So you are, mm-hmm. or maybe you play your turn or two and you just, re- you start the game over. Because something really out of the ordinary happens that really yeah. is going to, ske- does that make sense what I'm saying? For sure. And I played against Patrick, um, you know, Zoro a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember exactly. And what Patrick and I do is we have our cameras on and we are actually hanging out together while we're playing the game. And that makes a huge difference. It feels much more like you're actually talking to another person. You're having a beer with them. You're socializing. You're talking about life and what's going on. And um, the, I think the more you use these tools when you play UB, such as, you know, video and audio, it makes it a little bit more uh, like, you know, being in person and playing. The worst thing on UB is when you're playing in a tournament and the person either doesn't want to, you know, speak to you, doesn't want to be on on an event with you or, or Discord or something, and everything has to be done in typing. I really can go completely without playing those at this point. But, and I've, uh, I've found in those type of games, too, if you get unlucky or something goes wrong or whatever, it's way more frustrating because if you lose at a tournament in person or something crazy happens, you get to talk with your buddies about it. You still get to look at all your models. They're still, you're still on vacation. You're still doing all these great things. But I've had some like some games, some really frustrating games on UB where I'm not having a good conversation with my opponent and I've never had bad games with anyone. And on UB, it's just the, the not being a, Typing something or talking to someone over voice, you lose some of that um, like gesture or, or or reading someone's mood or whatever when you're when yeah. you're having normal body language. Body yeah. language, right? Uh, I've had some not fun games, so to me, when I think about it, it's like, why am I doing this if it's not fun? Yeah, there's a point to that too. I mean, I've we've all been on on the good and bad side of UB dice, um, <laughs> and it's been it's been great reading the the mathematics behind it and saying, yeah, it's just part almost all of its perception. And bad timing, but it's it's one of those things. Like uh, as an opponent, when somebody like, let's say I roll my war machines and they just they're just hot that one turn, and I just obliterate something. Like mm-hmm. it's great for me, right, gameplay wise. But all of like I, I wasn't planning on that, and it wasn't part of my strategy. And now I just obliterate something for free, basically. Are you still running two cannon? Oh, of course. Well, it's it's of all foot dwarf army. Give me something. Come on. <laughs> Man, that was the most devastating game I had in a long time. I'm I'm rolling yeah. up with like my super elite undead. I'm like, oh, this edition is great. I'm gonna stomp Kyle, and turn three, I shot off half of my army. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty Throwing salty. Dogs, after that I, game. I love bones, dude. It's part of it too. Is like when things go really well for you and you're at a tournament. You can look at your opponent and go, oh man, I feel really bad for you. You can you can convey emotions and stuff. The person goes, all right, like you know. Things happen, but on UB, that some of that's gone, and and people can take it certain ways, or more just like the edge isn't cut off, so it, it extra strings hard when something skew happens. You know, yeah. and and when you when I roll those box cars and and I break your big horde and on <laughs> with something simple, I can buy you a drink because I'm in yeah person. exactly yeah <laughs> exactly beer right? sir, it cures a lot of things. And if you don't have a beer or a sandwich to give somebody, it makes you feel bad. Got a box car. You know what? Let me buy you a drink, brother. Let me buy you a drink. <laughs> and, and you know, like everyone has their 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 sports pet peeves, I guess. And for me, it's like I don't like blame. I don't like to blame dice or talk about dice. But the one thing that's nice is is when your opponent just throws you a bone. Like let's say, okay, I'm shooting at you, or I'm okay. Twenty attacks on fours. I hit eighteen times. I do seventeen damage. I roll nerve. You're dead. Okay, next unit. 
It's like, give me something. You know, just say, oh, man, I can't believe that's such yeah. that's such BS. I'm sorry, man. That was ridiculous. I can't. OK, that's fair. All right, you know what I mean? Just throw me like yeah. throw me like bone or throw me a bone here. I, acknowledge what's happening is being like True. crazy. Because um, no, I try no, to do no. that when I'm playing someone, because in the end, if I'm beating you, I know one day or if you're beating me, I want to give you the best game possible because I know one day I'm going to beat you. And I hope in that scenario, you give me a good game. So you have like a social contract with your opponent that I think is more, I feel more weight of that contract in person than I feel the weight of that contract with other people on UB. If I can interject here with that, I I, I can't help but feel a little bit of that video game sense that comes along with it. And and I'm, I'm not a big video gamer, so I don't get the biggest enjoyment out of uh, sitting around for half the day or, uh, you know, playing... Uh, video games as much as i'd love to play a, a quick game or or something but um i think there's that comes along with a little bit of the the video game acceptance i don't know that comes along with with i don't i don't know if it if if i'm delivering the message quite the same but i i guess i'm i'm thinking that um you're shortcutting all of the experience of being in person like there's no there's no contract responsibility with someone that you're over the over an internet Game so you're not looking in the face like there's across no, from no obligation to be nice there's yeah. no yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i've been playing a, i got a gaming computer a couple of months ago and i got it for work but it also happens to be a gaming computer and i started playing wow for a month and i played some valorant which is a shooting game and i'm not really into shooting games but i've been playing with some of my friends and i, I kind of stopped a few weeks completely because i got bored of it but one thing that video games do is the more competitive they get Usually, the less sport sportsmanlike the players mm. are. But like when I was yeah. playing WoW, when I, the more competitive it was getting, I was playing arenas with random people. More often than not, somebody would play one game and you would make a mistake, and somebody would call you trash. Literally, would call you names and things like that. And I've That's never brutal, yeah. experienced any. Yeah, it, I've noticed that in video games, the more competitive they get, the more it becomes like that. And obviously, here I am, a 39-year-old man. I don't know if I'm playing with a 15-year-old who just doesn't have, hasn't, you know, developed that sensibility yet. If there's another person on the other end of that. But one thing I was gonna say about the playing games in person versus UB. When we, when I started playing, you know, Kings or any tabletop game or role-playing game, what really brought me together with the other person was two hobbyists standing right next to a table together and appreciating miniature models. That's really what got me into it in the first place. And obviously, that's completely missing when you're playing UB. That's, so. that's a really good point, Rashad. I, I forgot about that. But yeah, just being able to look at all the cool stuff people do with their armies individually. I was just going to say, in the end, I, I'm, I'm happy that we have it. It's, it's definitely more good things than bad things. But I think it's just all about take every few months taking a, a step back and looking at your, your hobby budget. I like to, I've said that earlier, but I really like to think about that is that I have a certain amount of hobby time, right? That can be painting models, playing games, playing video games, you know, looking through my comic books, doing uh, whatever. How do I want to maximize that budget so that I'm getting the most out of it? So the next day when I wake up, I'm excited to go to work or I'm excited, I'm excited to do the real life things that I have to do because I felt like the day before I utilized my hobby budget. That's really what keeps me sane, especially in a time where the world is crazy. So I'm still going to keep using it for, for playtesting with these fine fellows. And really, like what I like to do is I try to take my list that I'm taking to a tournament that's 
uh, half based in mo- in in the models that I love and a little bit based in competitive. And I try to play it against the hardest people and the hardest list absolutely possible. So it's like I'm training with extra weights on. So then when yeah. I go to a tournament and I play like people with their no on UB, you can make any filth list you want, right? Whereas in person, people are a little bit more tied to their collections. But I found that the harder I train on UB against the harder opponents and the harder lists, when I actually go to a regular tournament, I think that really prepares you for that. So you're right. saying if somebody needs to make a uh, video montage from an 80s montage uh, soundtrack of people on UB2 just <laughs> <laughs> moving yeah. stuff around, creating minute, creating uh, models Definitely. and things like that. Just just crushing me. I mean, I lo- <laughs> just losing on UB all the time, and then you go to a tournament and go undefeated. You know? you know yeah, speaking of playing against top players, that's why I um, flew out to Samurai um, earlier in the year. Or was it last year? I forgot when it was so <laughs> time's moving so weirdly now um but but i really wanted to get my army out in front of some of these these fantastic competitive players i really wanted to get that experience in and and one of the experiences that i've taken away from some of that even if i don't win these games is is that i can say i played against something that's really hard and i learned that my army may not be as aggressive as some of the armies that are out there and i can learn that okay i should probably play a little more conservative in some of those games like finding instead of going all all out (laughs) taking trying to kill everything i can i need to just play conservative maybe play for a draw in those games maybe maybe play a little bit more like okay that's the game that i i need to be a a little bit more passive on or or let things happen um Everybody has their own personal play style, but I think that's what some of those games, instead of having to build the next army that's the next most powerful, it's like, you know what, I, I don't have to win that game in order to have a good competitive experience. You know, So um, I think that's one of the more recent takeaways that I've had from, and, and I'm flying out to, to go to Lone Wolf, and, and I, I just love the, I want to I play against players, I want to shake people's hand, well, maybe fist bump or whatever at this point, but but uh, I want to I meet more people, play against more people, and I feel like that's social thing is a really big part of this why i like this game um the UB well there's a good. reason why people like to go to tournaments right why it's the funnest thing in the world yeah. i remember yeah. the first tournament i ever went to uh because i never went to tournaments and we'll talk a little bit about it when we uh, get into surge and destroy and the socal scene but mm-hmm. i was never part of the warhammer scene i only really got into miniature gaming right at age well, I mean, I've been playing miniature gaming my whole life, but really got into the tournament scene pretty much right when Warhammer w- switched to Age of Sigmar and Kings was getting started. And the first tournament I went to was Alamo, and I knew some people from After Dark a, li- a little bit uh, prior to um, Alamo, but not really. And within like five or ten minutes, like I met Rashad, and it's like we're now like lifelong friends. So, I mean, and the same thing with all you guys, you know, I mean, yep. it's like... There's just something really special about tournaments. That's why as, as it becomes safer and we get vaccinated, if you're in a position to where you feel safe going to a tournament, but the question for you is, will I have fun or not? Go. You will go. have fun. They're amazing. There's a reason why I spe- will spend in a normal year hundreds of dollars to fly around the country going to them. It's because they're sure. incredible. Oh, geez. What, went to Samurai last year? I'm. It's, wow. You know, I, I almost thought it was just as good as as going to masters maybe even better because i tell you i feel like you had all your buddies in the same room all the cool guys you know and it was it's like and you're getting to know new faces and new armies all the armies are gorgeous it was just like that but but more condensed 
right? It, it, it just was a little bit more compact and, and you had just, you know, it was just 30 guys or 40 guys. And, and it just was the, seemed like the perfect venue just to get a chance to really meet everybody, look at all the armies, talk to somebody. Don't, don't go get away from masters, but, but that's a great experience on its own. But, but even flying to these, some of these bigger events, like the guys over on the East coast, they came in or the, the, or the, what was that? The, the Midwest, Northern Midwest guys came down. They had four or five of those guys came. So it was like, everybody kind of brought a little team and it was really great for samurai. I mean, samurai was a, was a pretty competitive event. So if you want to bump up your game, bring it, but I'll definitely, it's a painting competition. It's, it's definitely a, um, and then it's going to be a throwdown. So if you really want to test your, your game skills, that's, that's really where it's at right there. It's yeah. It's Texas on my list or... to go to eventually. And uh, it just works out for me. I, my mom lives in Texas, like 20 minutes from Jeff Swan's house. So to, <laughs> to me, it's like, you know, the Texas scene is not only really competitive, but it's also right near all my family. And I've, you know, Todd and Jeff and, all the tabletop Titan guys and Tom Annis and all those guys have become really f- good friends with. So to yeah. me, it just, it's like a lucky thing in life for me that probably one of the most competitive scenes in Kings of war is like where my mom retired to, you know? So at least if I don't live yeah. there, uh, uh-huh. it's, it's a, some place to so go. Funny. You know, who would have thought Texas would become her second home? I feel the same way about it. And I think it has a little bit to do with the Southern hospitality as well. Like every time we went over there, Jeff and Mark took such good care of us, and so did Ryan when we went to his tournament. So, and the food is there's such great food, and it's just like uh, uh, it is. It's like a second home. That's a great way to 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 visualize it. And again, you know, during the COVID, we're not promoting you go to event or not go to event. And again, it's this decision you have to to uh, make yourself. But with the vaccines happening now, more and more and more and more. I'm I'm really starting to feel pretty confident. And even after get I get vaccinated, I mean I, I'm still going to be wearing my mask and you know following all the guidelines and being safe for other people. But I'm starting to feel optimistic here now that by summer and then fall, you know maybe as we go into the end of or the middle end of this year, we're going to be able to start kind of hopefully getting to back to a more normal uh, situation. But I'm sorry, I think it's important what you said that you know you, we got to keep in mind. Obviously, you have you want to be as safe as possible, but the ethical question is slowly shifting from, um, you know, not going to tournaments in order to prevent the spread from also uh, now turning slowly into when do we need to restart the economy? When do we need to restart living life, you know, the way we did before? And as much as, you know, I understand all the people that criticize it or are critical of people going to tournaments, I think it's good to keep an open mind for that considering, you know, where we want to be next year with the whole country as well. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's good to be open-minded about a little bit. And if I can jump in just because of my thought, my thought pattern, pattern is on it. The, the new woman in my life, she's, um, she's in the education world and, uh, she, you know, kids and, and, you know, raising little kids, little ones. And so now I've, I've got this whole new perspective on life and, um, this, this, this is an interesting, uh, world we're in. And I, I think it, it's, it's also our mental health that we need to, to look at too. Um, I, I think being caged in inside is is something that's going to be really hard for people. And I I encourage people to to really inform themselves of how to be as safe as possible and and make sure that um, you know education for children is very important. But but then 
yet the community is also very important. So I, I just don't want that to be forgotten in this whole big picture um, of it. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm meaning that in the most optimistic and positive way for people and healthy. So just, just in my, my perspective. Yeah. And in the end, if we disagree on this, which is fine, you know, I think it's okay for people to disagree. Uh, my only hope and Countercharge is a podcast of, of different hosts and we work collectively and um, we, we sometimes disagree with each other or have different opinions. But in the end, for me, what matters is that the dialogue that we have with each other is one under the umbrella of that we're all part of one gaming family and we should try to approach, approach each other with love and kindness. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and Disag- it's okay for us to disagree, but let's do it within that paradigm of us knowing that you know, we're in this together. That and, uh, you know, we let's always be respectful to one another, you know, and, and this time, especially like with how divided, not only on this topic, the country has been, or the world has been, but in general, how divided opinion seems to say. I, I noticed it left and right where people are fighting and arguing. And Jeremy made a really good point that we have to be more kind to one another. And also, if we disagree, remain respectful. My dog doesn't agree with me. A <laughs> <laughs> lot to say. Very verbal dog. <laughs> yeah and i mean we want to keep the podcast gaming focused and not you know not go to because you know there is something to be said about you know wanting to make sure we don't go down any rabbit holes or whatever but in the end i just really want to make that clear that for me in the episodes that i do for countercharge my main mission is to help build our community help build fellowship with each other and help us when uh uh, as Paige made a meme of me, when you're at the fork of the road and you have a left turn towards what Rashad was talking about, that toxic city of get good, scrub, or you're trash, and instead the turn right is like give each other a mental hug and be kind. If we just right. tried so much more often to take that right turn instead of that left turn, I think that we would build up uh, enough like momentum of psychic love energy and I'm, I swear to God, I'm, I'm not a, like a hippie, but I honestly believe that like, like, New age, like bro. <laughs> p- positiveness can be like a snowball. And, and I mean, how many days did you have a great day where you go to the gas station and someone opens the door for you or says hello or, and next thing you know, you've just had all these great interactions with people. I really believe that right, there's truth. To, it is. I think there's truth to that pay it forward idea. That's right. Well, awesome. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk all things Surge and Destroy, the SoCal League, and the Riddle of Steel. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. And I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. Um, so we're going to transition into one of our main topics, which is the Surge and Destroy Club. <laughs> so... Um, the SoCal guys uh, have a really fun club called Surge and Destroy. Um, why don't you talk a little bit, of Kyle, sort of what was the, the genesis of Surge and Destroy or what was sort of your guys thinking and maybe trying to get a more like kind of club going or take us a little back to the history of Surge and Destroy? Sure. So um, when I first started playing in the league, it wasn't called Surge and Destroy yet. It was actually still called the Southern California Games Workshop League league that we're playing a mantic game called kings of war (laughs) and that was just an offshoot of um fantasy like most people play kings of war a lot lot of these players used to play fantasy and there was a really large league i think mike can talk more about what the league was uh when it was playing fantasy but it was pretty well known and i think i played in the 40k version of it uh, 10 years ago and i think it was the biggest 
league like that in the country at the time. And uh, so they, prior, they, so real quick, yeah. So prior to Surge and Destroy becoming sort of like a a club or the moniker, there was this this league in Southern California playing different game systems. Yeah, so Southern yeah. California game, but it was it was all just Games Workshop games. It was pretty much just forty k and fantasy. Maybe uh, Mike, was there any other games they played? Mm, not that I recall. Yeah, uh, and so it's known as SEGWL. I'm sure some old time mm-hmm. players will recognize that uh, moniker. Uh, and so fantasy died, obviously, and and from what I tell, there's not much of a tournament scene for Age of Sigmar, or at least uh, slow grow, slow grow league like that kind of thing. Um. So a lot of guys switch over to uh, Kings of War, and but they kept the same title, and there was a website associated with the stuff. And I know Richard Frendel, our sad commander, as he's known, could tell <laughs> a little more commander. about <laughs> could tell a little more about the background <laughs> of that. Um, but we wanted to kind of distance ourselves away from a Games Workshop league because we weren't playing a Games Workshop games, and kind of have our own Mantic theme, you know, Kings of War themed uh group so people who who were who wanted to join could find us easier back in the fantasy days we had a a, another group of community that kind of blended into scgwl and if you go to the website it's still there uh but it came from um it, it came from the west coast hammer time was the was a bigger community of of players so they'd been around for a a longer time uh i don't know I, don't, I, I lost count how many years. Fred Fred Whitney was was um, was in head of that that West Coast Hammer Time community, and of course, you know Jeff Swan and um, there, there's there's a large community of guys that were there from that uh, big gym and um, uh, Stewart and anyway. Before I get too deep in that, uh, the the community when when fantasy kind of hit that apocalypse zone, we all kind of jumped into our different games, but. Most of the the Kings of War players went straight into the SCGWL community, and there was a 40k community that was also developed at that time. So that was also part of SCGWL. So so SCGWL kind of spawned from the birth of of um, of, of a new game, and that was when we all kind of jumped on, figured out where we were going, and so. But before that, you know, Jeff Swan, part of that of the older community in Southern California. Can, is is a part of that, and I came in on the tail end of the last two years of uh, the fantasy world. So I got I played in the uh, in the West Coast GT. I helped Fred Whitney with that program, and we we had that big event. It was like seventy something players, um, and and so that community still exists to some extent. I mean, they're we're all out here. There there's there. There's a huge community of of players in Southern California, but I think there's been a kind of like a drawdown from the GW stuff. There's kind of some transitioning going on. So we've noticed a, a little bit of of Kings of War kind of taking a little bit more forefront here from um, for fantasy, the fantasy level style games. Uh, we have a couple new players that have just came into our league, and uh, we have a bunch of new players in our current. Um, if you go to the um, Facebook, if you go to Surge and Destroy, uh, Kings of War, it's KOW, um, you can see our private, in our private group, you can request, there's at least 100 of us in there now uh, as, as it's growing. So we've got a big community uh, in, uh, down here in Southern California, but we're just not quite as um, um, internet connected, I would have, just have to say. If I can jump in there also, yes. uh, you know, 
what, what happened over time was the league that we've had back in the day, two, three years ago, that was the slow transition into playing Kings of War for all of us. And what happened then was, you know, a bunch of us would be at Scott's house very often because Scott, one great host, two like fantastic uh, little game room that he has. We used to have eight to ten players on average there, and that's in the last few years before COVID. So one day we were just thinking, hey, you know, the one thing that is very specific about Southern California is that people live far away from one another. So normally I would drive an hour, hour and a half for a game day, right? And the idea with Surge and Destroy was we were just thinking about a club for the longest time because we wanted to just all the people that would meet up, you know, to basically uh, bring them all together under one banner. And that's how one day we were just standing there thinking about, guys, we need to sort of like start thinking about our club and, you know, what that should be. And I remember Blade Duel was standing there and I think Mike and Scott were playing a game and I was just, you know, doing my job drinking a beer. And Blade was like, hey, has anybody ever thought about Surge and Destroy? And it was one of those moments where everybody just got quiet. Like, you know, he hit a home run, the name giver, I call him. And yeah, from there on, we designed a T-shirt and we decided anybody that wants to be part of it, not only in Southern California, but, you know, because uh, we went to a lot of tournaments and people love the design of the shirt and the actual slogan of the club, Surgeon Destroy. People really Very like uh, a la Metallica, Ride the Lightning, or they had that Seek and Destroy. So it's like the Surgeon Destroy shirts, very like metal vibe, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Rashad did a great job making that. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, but well, you know the whole group gave input back then when we designed the shirt so like we had a first draft and then we then sent it back and forth until everybody was sort of happy with it but yeah it was definitely ride the lightning metallica influence to make that shirt because you know I, I love album covers and i always thought they make for great uh, <laughs> i wear that shirt all the time and people stop me it's like, i know that shirt i'm like no you don't <laughs> <laughs> right right it's hilarious they stopped all the time that the the club name I think Surgeon Destroy was kind of floating around. Like I thought, I want to say it was an army idea or army name at first, with uh, Rashad and Blade, and then we were sitting around at the end, like at, at the end of our tournament, like when we have our league, the the playoff game or the the finals game for champion is played, and we have like a league barbecue and stuff, and we then we have any rule changes, we have a a group vote for rules changes or anything we want to do for the next league, and we we're talking about names, and I wasn't sure if we solidified in the name that day or it was a little bit later but we had a big list of names and surge destroy is kind of the one everyone seemed to be leaning to initially and I, and I, and that was just it just fit and yeah. i remember i remember some before that even like because i think there would be a, a tournament or event where rashad myself and scott would all be playing undead and i want to say even mm. we would we would go surge and destroy or we would we were that was like in the ethos that yeah. that sort of thing seemed felt like it was like when you guys picked that name, it was like, oh, that makes total sense. Like it was like a, a name you knew before you even named it that that would be the name. I think, yeah. Kyle, you're the only one that doesn't have an undead army, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm the only person who de- refuses to use Surge of any kind. You better get on that. You better get on that. I think we're, we're like, we all have undead armies with Kyle. Well, who needs Surge when you kill the unit with cannonballs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <More stuff. laughs> It was also a way to unify the guys from, we haven't talked about, um, you know, the guys that come up from San Diego because we had uh, Eve and Wade drive up almost for every game day for about two to three years. So, like, those guys are part of the club as well. You know, everybody that... The San Diego guys, yeah. Yeah, the San Diego guys. And anybody that wanted to be part of it. I wish 
we, we could get like, uh, you know, Miyagi-Do, uh, Cobra Kai thing going where we have another club and then we have a little bit of a feud going. I would love for something like that. <laughs> a rivalry? Yeah. Yeah, a rivalry. Yeah. It would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, that was part too was that uh, we also wanted to have a club name we could take to tournaments because we were really starting to uh, have a lot of players interested in going to tournaments out of state or in different areas of the state, and it was, you know, it's it's important to get the club name out there, not just to show off, but more just like, oh, who are these guys? You know, getting the name out there, getting it stirring around the pot, and people start noticing it just so. When we throw tournaments, people want to come over here and they understand, oh, it's the sad guys are doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just kind of adding that little aspect to it to give us a little more uh, believability that we're And if anybody has players. been to the, the um, West Coast GT, for, for the most part, we have all of the terrain, the tables, everything from that 70-player event. We, we are fully capable of putting together something of that scale. I think we just have to, you know, come up with our community or come up with our team, talk to, talk to, uh, how we want to do it, what we need to do at this point. You know, it's been probably five years since we've seen all of that stuff in one place, but, but I'm sure we could, we could put that structure together again. I'm certain we could do it. Rob and I had talked in the past about, we did an episode of why, why would you join a gaming club? And I think Kyle, we bring up a couple of good points, which is one of the sort of fun things about traveling the tournaments, right? Is you go with your club, you know, Uh, sometimes tournaments will have club awards, but even if there isn't, when you go with your club, it gives you an extra flavor, an extra layer. Like I know, uh, uh, when Rashad and I are at a tournament together or your club mates, you're like, Oh, how'd you do in your game? Oh, where are you standing at? You know? And, uh, in, in the day of like, everyone can get anything printed on a t-shirt is all the clubs all like have their own shirts and their own gear and their own, you're on like a team, you know? So there's yeah. something really like really fun about that. Right. Yeah. We well, couldn't uh, beat those Californians anymore that show up at tournaments. Didn't know that the other Californian existed. And now we have a club that all unites us all. I mean, sort of like, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we've all met people from all over. I mean, you have your favorite people, you like to, I mean, I, I love talking with like Jason Burr. I mean, people we, you know, you don't get a chance to speak to very often in other communities and they have their own um, communities and teams that they're with. So it's almost like uh, you've got a rivalry with other communities, but not, but it's a good rival. It's a healthy one. You know, I mean, even, you know, guys from, from Canada, you know, you've got Alex and uh, uh, Brinley and, you know, I mean, just, it's just, uh, it's just a great opportunity to, to be a part of something. And I, I think it's just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I'm I'm with that for sure. It just helps you get identity, right? I know I've been talking a lot with Nick Murray and uh, Blake and like the Reno guys, you know. And I think as you mm-hmm. begin to develop working on developing your scene, if you can do it sometimes within like sort of a club environment, that will help you a little bit because right off the bat, it's you have a, a community you're becoming a part of. And there's mm-hmm. a bunch of clubs like you know you have the, the Tabletop Titans, JoJo, the Blue City Brawlers, Unplugged Unplugged Gamers, mm-hmm. you know the shambling horde you know there's like a lot lots of really great clubs um spread throughout all of uh the country so um no is, yeah. is jesse bill bija a part of those like the unplugged gamer guys or is so he... yeah so he's in the um i believe he is in like the canada area so which okay. is a lot of those guys will go down and play with okay. the uh, uh unplugged guys so that's okay. like uh and then also to up there you have 
like you know Keith Conroy, and then you have uh, the War Kings, like the Rosados and K2, mm-hmm. and some of the Cape Cod fellas are up in that neck of the and see just like how what Mike said about the sad guys. That's how you begin to kind of get to know people in the community. You right. almost go, I know Joe Smith, and it's like, oh, the Emerald Dragon guys, Emerald Dragons, right. you know. Yeah, it's, it's or whatever their club is. You know the people from that club. So if you ever go to a tournament in that area, you just don't know one person. You know that whole club, and they'll take care of you. They'll pick you up from the airport or whatever the case that's is. Right. That's you know that's how you get that community really going. Well, talk to me a little bit. How does like the technical aspect, um, Mike? Why don't you go? How does the league actually function? Well, as far as the Facebook is concerned, there's some people that are running that. And we do most of our communication is through the Facebook portal. Mm-hmm. So if you want to start off and getting in contact with us, the the leader of our community was elected, and it's Richard. So he, he's kind of volunteered to be that. Um, now, he's he's taken a, a little bit of, I mean, during the COVID stuff. Has, he, he's in the medical field, so he's also been a little bit out of our net normally. So, uh, But that's been a little challenge for us as far as getting our community together because of COVID. But, uh, but we are still having our, our league, which is going. So the internal structure is, is based on some of our core founding members. Um, I, I would, you know, Scott is an, is an admin and, and Richard and, and, and so, and obviously Rashad and Kyle are, are part of our core original community. So it's, it's really just, I mean, we have a, some of the core discussions happen just between, uh, this, this small group and, and then obviously we have our, our community comes together and we will then share and vote on the majority of of uh, how it's going to move forward. And, and it's all just in agreement. Everything gets, gets, uh, you know, opportunity to be presented in, in a friendly kind of way. And uh, then we move forward and just enact it. Um, so we try to get, uh, we, we, we would like to have a couple of events a year. So Kyle has an event that he's been planning and um, really excited to participate in Rashad's uh, riddle of steel is a really amazing event. And I, I can't, I wish I could have gone last year. It's just I, uh, with the struggles in my own life and challenges and changes, I, I wasn't able to meet it. But I tell you that that has a really great opportunity. It's an in-person. It's a fantastic environment to come in. So I definitely encourage people to come to that. Um, I hope we can Thank get you. some of the more Texas guys to come out, and uh, and I'm sure that they're going to love it. Uh, we <laughs> I let Rashad talk about Riddle of Steel, uh, but that's been an original event that we've had for some time, and and that kind of originated in in Scott's home. And I we are I, I must admit we're spoiled with with having probably the best uh, in-house. Um, gaming hall at Scott's house. I mean, it's fantastic. He's got all the terrain. Uh, you know, we've had um, we, we've had Ronnie from Antic over at the house, and he's hung out with us. And, and all of us there, we've just had a blast with him. Uh, and I tell you, it's just a great community to be in. So I'm, I, I want to encourage, you know, people fly out to us, you know, in, into SoCal, and you want to get a game, give us a call. And we'll just, you know, I mean, Obviously, the the health considerations are are uh, you know with COVID, we need to take that in mind. Uh, give us a call, but we want to make sure that we have the opportunity. Now, I have my own gaming place we can do here at my place, and um, and I'm encouraging people to come and visit. Uh, we, you know, it's more of an outdoor environment or in a garage, or uh, but it's well climatized if necessary. And of course, you know, health considerations are are important. Uh, so. Uh, the same, the same things are 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 what we're doing. We're we're trying to make sure that the community is is able. Now we have a San Diego community, um, 
they're not doing in-store playing, but they do have a, a number of players from the San Diego world. I would say they have it's like five or six that that we know of that that can come up and play with us, and they're slowly growing. But they're just they're 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 people that we don't get a chance to see probably in the the world or or the U.S. national community in the Masters. They don't usually attend that, but these people are just as competitive as the Masters players. So <laughs> they're really good, like you know. So. Uh, I think they did take an opportunity to try and explore uh, UB, but I, again, they come, we all have a similar kind of we're, we're, we want to be a little bit more in touch with each other. So um, we're looking forward to more uh, in-person table games. Uh, yeah, as huge in California hobbies, the hobby aspect part of it. That's one thing I noticed when I became part of the group is that I was all of a sudden really surrounded by not only good players, but the hobby aspect of it. The level of the hobby is very, very high, especially. Talking about weight from San Diego, it's just crazy the kind of stuff that guy can put together as an army. Now, for the league, do you guys, like, have a season and then, like, playoffs? Like, a league when you think of, like, a sports league? Is that, is that sort of how you guys run it? We, we we do try to get in at least two seasons a year. I think that's what we're, what we're trying to strive for. Um, and there is a break in between. And... I would love it, and it's just—I don't know. We've had a couple of discussions about it. If we expanded it to, uh, you know, other local states, so that if it was going to be a UB thing, or if they wanted to travel and play in in some community games, maybe set up a game day, and they can be a part of the league just as well. So, what did you have to say, Kyle? Yeah, just like it's set up, so it's it's rough. Yeah, pretty much two a, a year, so it's a six-month cycle of four and a half months to get eight games in, or as many games as you can get up to eight. And then a month and a half for playoffs, and it's an eight-person playoff. Uh, with the final game is before COVID was played, uh, normally at Scott's house during the barbecue. So they would, we'd find out who the champion was during the uh, end of end of season league barbecue. Oh, cool! So everyone would get together for like a league barbecue hangout, and then the final game would be played there. So you, the champion would be crowned. Yeah, and also and, also and the feast. third place game would be played there as well. Uh, cool. Who cares about third place? <laughs> I don't. Also, it's, what's really important about the barbecue is also that a vote takes place every time there's a barbecue so that you as a player have input on how the league is going to be and what kind of a format it's going to be next year. So we decide, you know, what uh, if, if special characters are allowed, the points level, how many games per week, that kind of stuff. You have input over it. And that's one thing I loved about it is that it's constantly changing. Um throughout the years that we've been doing it and uh, it's changing because of the player's input and that yeah. that's yeah. what makes it absolutely special. yeah it's it's evolving it's a, it's a, and and i think for the better i mean i think it gets to a, a better point um and we we do and have you, those discussions yeah and you mentioned you know scott was gonna scott holcomb uh the pirate king was going to be on the episode today but he's has construction as we speak on it, it, uh, increasing his floor space of his exactly. gaming area. That's right. right? And the if you haven't, <laughs> and like literally, if you haven't gamed, if you've ever been in California, Southern California, and in a, you're a miniatures gamer, you need to go to Scott Holcomb's house. It's like people say, hey guys, I'm going to be in SoCal. Which game store should I go to? And it's like, no. I'm going to tell you who Scott's house. house. <laughs> and that's what like Ronnie and Kyle were like, they say Ronnie's going to be in LA. Where should he go? And I was like, he should go to Scott's house. Rashad, go pick, go pick Ronnie up from the airport and take him to Scott's house. <laughs> take him to Scott's house. 
Um, that was one of the coolest King's experiences I've had because I got to pick Ronnie's brains for an hour and a half on the yeah. you know, drive back and forth there. So that was awesome. And then Ronnie got to play games with us. And then Ed Herzig visited us too. Ed Herzig came from the UK. He was at yeah. UCLA. He called me. He said, hey, you want to get a game in? And I was like, hey, you know what? Let's do a game day at Scott's. And, you know, it was a great experience. Always. Yeah. I mean, last last time I was there, I was down in 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 L.A. for a work conference, and the same thing. I was like, I'm I'm coming over. Scott, get that Tesla charged up. Come pick me up. <laughs> come pick me up. <laughs> come get me. Take me over. I got to have some of my doctor, my 10 calorie Dr Pepper, and get in the hot tub. And uh, Rashad some, provides the Twinkies. Some Twinkies with Rashad, and then we're we're good. We're, we're good to go. But yeah, it, it really is a, a amazing space, and I know uh, Scott's uh, growing it and uh, looking to have. Um, w- you had said maybe eight. He's going to have eight tables or so. Mike is the yeah. Goal. So, so, so yeah. So we we had two upstairs, and we facilitated the rest of the gaming. We we tried to get at least ten players in in it, so there'd be two downstairs or three downstairs, one in the living room and two in the in the I guess the dining room area. And then we had two upstairs. So now it'll be probably eight tables upstairs. And I think he's talking about trying to figure out how we can get a 20 player event all inside of his house. Like it just add a couple more tables downstairs and might even be more. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but I got some of his, I got some of his tables myself. So he's building brand new tables. So, uh, so he's going to have a, a brand new game experience in, in his Basically, place. And, he built a game store in his house, basically. But, you know, we talk about Scott all the time. We should also, men- uh, also mention uh, Kristen because anytime we're over there, Scott's wife, Kristen, oh, hosts yeah. us, mm-hmm. makes food for us, cooks for she everybody. Does. It's amazing, right? So they're, they're the two together. The hospitality is just it, – It's no joke. I went over there Monday. I went over there Monday to talk to Scott and hang out, and I looked at his place and offered my help. And uh, – and, Kristen gave me cookies. I said, here, some, have some cookies. You, you can't leave without <laughs> It's almost she made like some cookies, man. <laughs> it's almost like you arrive there, and I'm waiting for a butler to give me a red velvet smoking jacket. But instead of smoking jacket, it's got extra dice in it and a, a ruler or, you know, whatever. And I just got to walk around in my sandals with, like, my, my pipe that blows bubbles, you know, playing Kings of War at, like, the Chateau de Holcomb. <laughs> it's fantastic. And, and then also – and if there's meant, you know, his place being the center location for our club and just kind of gaming in general is we have a uh, championship sword for the winner of the uh, season yeah. and it's on a plaque. And I think Rashad, were you the one who sourced the sword? sword? I was not actually. No, okay. I was not this one. Uh, but I so the, the, it, the winner gets their name engraved on the plaque. And so and we decided that it belongs in Scott's house. You know, whoever the winner is. Yeah, th- that's where everyone gets to see it. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, a monster, like a real sword. Everybody. And yeah, going towards the Riddle of Steel, we had the first two iterations of the Riddle of Steel at Scott's house. It was a one-day tournament at the time. And I'm really glad to hear that Scott is extending that game hall. But obviously, in the future, we want to run a proper two-day GT. Um, and that's for next year. For me. But I guess we're going to talk about the Riddle of Steel in a moment as well, right? Yeah, so why don't we do that? Why don't we transition? You know, Rashad is the uh, the tournament runner for the Riddle of Steel, which uh, has had – we've had three Riddle of Steels. The first two were in person, and this last one we pivoted a little bit and ran it on UB. So why don't you talk a little bit about that sort of – what was your uh, – 
original idea for the Riddle of Steel, Rashad? Sort of how have you seen it sort of grow over the last couple of years? Or or take us through sort of what prompted you to want to do the Riddle. So when we got together a couple of years ago, Scott, Mike, and I, and we decided to, you know, not just start sad at the time, but we decided to, like, you know, start running things in the community and try to grow it. Um, The idea came that because of me traveling to a lot of tournaments and knowing a lot of people, it would make sense for me after ex- having experienced people running their tournaments to run the tournament for the SoCal scene. And, you know, Mike mentioned the West Coast GT and Fred Whitney quite a bit. That, those guys got me into wargaming in the first place. I was a garage gamer that had played five games against, you know, a friend who then went to the West Coast GT and I meet 60 neckbeards that are all drunk playing Warhammer together. <laughs> I loved it. I, I fell so much in love with it. And then two weeks after that, you know, the game was destroyed and we were looking for something new and, you know, we transitioned to Kings. So what happened with the riddle was, you know, we were thinking about how can we theme a tournament then? And obviously us being in Los Angeles and Hollywood, I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan and I, you know, call me cheesy, but obviously. Get to the uh, chopper! He's amazing. I love him. I'm a kid of the 80s, so he was like yeah. my icon, you know. He's the most successful person in the world, in my opinion. Bill Burr said it right about him. He said, you know, the guy doesn't speak English, comes over here, becomes an actor. <laughs> then he becomes a governor. I mean, it's just incredible. But no, I, I love him just as a as this icon that he's become. And the movie especially, I, you know, I, I don't connect with my dad on a lot of things. But I remember watching Conan the Barbarian for the first time with my dad. And both of us laughing hysterically when he punches the camel in the face. And <laughs> just became this thing. And for me, amongst all the war gamers, I always felt everybody loves Conan. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Kings of War is, is that it has its own story. But very much so, if you want to run a theme tournament, you can adapt the, the rule set to anything you want and write the fluff for yourself. So I saw the Riddle of Steel as an opportunity to sort of like create this new fantasy environment that you can enter with your Kings of War army. And so part of that was modifying the scenarios a little bit to make them, you know, fit into certain scenes of the movie. So for example, uh, one of the scenarios is called the tree of woe and there's a tree in the center of the, of the uh, table and it's a dominate scenario. It's a modified dominate scenario. And if you within the 12 inch circle, uh, you would be under the rules of dread, things like that. So we have minor modifications to the uh, regular scenarios. I am a big fan of making it flavorful, but not too much, whereas I don't want to spend 45 minutes you know, trying to read how a scenario works when you show up to a tournament. You kind of want to quickly get into it. But also we created special characters, and this was in between uh, me, Jeremy, Scott, and Mike. We've been like, you know, I, I would write a character, um, that would be from the movie. And then I would get input from people as to like how effective they would be. And the way we did it in the last iteration on UB was that when you showed up to the table, you could either pick if you were going to pick your character first or if you're going to go first. So um, th- it was an interesting dynamic where you would get access to two different characters in every game, but you would have to decide, is it going to be more important for me to you know, get the character that I want, or do I want to go first? So, well, let me lay this out here. Mm-hmm. Each player, when you come to the, when you come to each round, there's there's a series of play, what is it five? There's five characters that you, each player has. They're all the same character, and in each round you have to pick one, and but you can only use that character once throughout the whole event. 
But in each round, when you get your first opponent or that opponent, you have to decide who's going to go first or pick your character. And so that way, there's only one of that person, right? So you can't have Conan twice on the table. So that's right. what I just wanted to, to explain that. And the characters available for every scenario were thematic. So like um, on the Tree of Woe, since Conan was uh, was hanging from it, you know, he was crucified on the Tree of Woe by Tulsa of Doom, the characters in that scenario would not include Conan. It was, I believe, that one was uh, Subutai and uh, Tulsa of Doom were the two characters available yeah. in that one. Right? So um, that, I think that, that made it special in the sense that you have special characters, but there's a little bit of a twist in each scenario. Anyway, we've, we've ran the first one at Scott's house. We had about 15 people. Same thing with the second one. It was a one-day event with 15 people at Scott's house. Our UB tournament was a... a Minor success, I want to say that I think we had 15 uh, players overall. A few people dropped since it was very difficult, you know, playing through the games over a weekend. I, it made me rethink that format. And I, I talked a little bit of smack earlier about UB tournaments. I mean, obviously, I still love them and I enjoy them, especially the most recent one, Sweaty Giganta, was great because, one, it was in honor of Jesse and uh, they, the two organizers, Jesse and... Uh, and Keith uh, were able to generate a lot of donations for um, serious money. Us. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that. That was that was really nice to play in the Sweaty Giganta. So like just remembering Jesse while we while we were playing, that was really cool. Um, so I I, I got to applaud him for that. But going forward, our our uh, format will not be on Universal Battle. I think I want to try to connect to that tradition of. California, back in the day, used to be a great host for tournaments. The West Coast GT had people coming from San Francisco and from Texas. And I think that's where we're going to go now that we have a good group going and help. I think we're going to run a two-day tournament next year at a hotel close to the LAX airport. And we're going to have, you know, Scott is going to provide, a, hopefully, all the, all the terrain because he's got enough painted for probably more than 60 And his people. is like, we, we've talked uh, about... Uh, Scott's amazing pirate army and just in his yeah. hobby in general, but he is like a 3D print master, so his terrain is like next level stuff. Um, yeah, and that's what he does all day. He's sitting at home planning to He's an architect, <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's like, I'll design this building. Now let me design wargaming terrain. So yeah, his composition, compositioning is out of control. Like for me, as somebody who went to art school, like, you know, I've always watched other artists and some people are really good at rendering some people are really good at you know jeremy's really good at basing scott's compositioning the way he puts and and aligns things on his bases and also on his tables it just it comes from him being an architect and having that you know skill set that most other people actually don't have but as a yeah, sculptor, the way he the way he thinks in three-dimensional spaces is really uh creative i learned a lot for you know in terms of like theming and basing armies from watching Scott, like that definitely raised my bar because every army he makes is special. Uh, he, he really spends the time to make it special. Well, yeah. we, we are definitely building Scott up, but he has been a foundation of my hobby interests from the very beginning. I've known Scott for a really long time. So, so yeah, so he's been a... It's just interesting how people core. people become like like hubs, right? Like Scott yeah. and Jeff Swan knew each other. And then I met Rashad and then you meet Rashad who, who are, and then Jeff knows these people. And then you, you know, uh, Mike and all the old school, like Fred Whitney and all those guys who also yeah. know. And it's like, it's like the seven degrees of bacon, you know, yeah. where it's like you, 
the community is a lot more connected than you think when you think of um, you know all the different relationships that we make with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I really love about Riddle Steel, and, uh, and Rashad mentioned it, but I just really want to hone on it because it's it's one of the things why it's probably my one of my favorite tournaments is that one it's got the best name the riddle steel gt is just perfect for real but what i i really love what you guys decided to do which is we're going to try to make something that has thematic flavor but that also can be a competitive event because we're not changing the scenarios too much we're just giving them a little tweak so for me it's like the best of both worlds it's a creative fun narrative tournament but one that could also be played competitively so it's like just this perfect balance of narrative storytelling but also having competitive games um was that kind of in line with what you guys wanted to do with riddle i think it it all came together and i think you know i remember after the first riddle you know jeff swan made the effort and came from texas and you and i and I think Scott were sitting in the hot top and having a drink and talking about, you know, reminiscing about the characters and the scenarios. And I think when you make, when you try to make something special, the more input you get from different people, the better it becomes. There's, when you discuss something openly, kind of like an open source thing, you get, you know, the creativity from several people. And I think that's what happened is we, we never said, this is how it's going to be. And that's always how it's going to be. We kept it open and with the input from the players and also the, leaders of the community so big part of it yeah yeah i remember i discussed you know what we should do with this model with scott and mike and you and i think that that's a big help always when you but i gotta you know in the future oftentimes running a tournament is very discouraging because it's a lot of work and people aren't always the most thankful when you do it but it is a lot of work and at the end of the day you want to bring people together for them to have fun and uh, I, i the more i'm doing it the more uh, you know, the idea of running a big tournament grows on me uh, just for, you know, I want to I want to be like Mark Cox one day and sit there and drink a beer and look at a room full of 60 people that are just all enjoying one another. I mean, it's totally from from the from the army standpoint. Uh, and I, I think uh, Jeremy made a good point of, about this is it doesn't have a lot of uh, super over uh, complicated rules to the game. You can pretty much bring the army as you have them. You don't have to really start to take apart your favorite armies to play it. I, I really love the the addition to the characters because it, it gives a, a little bit of unit um, identity to, to something. So you're not changing your army much because you're just adding this one uh, um, individual character that's kind of running in your back lines. And he's just going to kind of amplify something. One battle somewhere, he's just adding in a little bit of help. And, and I you can probably find a couple games that are um, your opponent has a character, you have a character, so it doesn't really change the game much because they're they're characters that can do anything that's already in the game. So it's it's just giving you one for free, right? I mean, and that's really what I think makes the game really playable for people to come. You can it's not really like over super complicated and unintuitive to play. You get access to the missions before you go to the event, and it's not a not a not a, a heavy undertaking to to challenge yourself to, to, to participate. As a matter of fact, I think we're all mostly drinking and trashed. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and for me, one of the big opportunities was, you know, I was a, that Schwarze Auge. I used to be a role-playing, um, role-playing. Uh, I used to be into role-playing when I was younger. That's what got me into fantasy lore, really. And this is back in Germany when I was 13 years old. We would be playing something like Dungeons and Dragons. And I think 
when you add flavor to a tournament, sometimes it makes me feel like I'm a dungeon master that's writing a story for somebody to enjoy. And I think that's what makes the riddle special for me is that it's a tournament where there's a lot of fluff that I'm trying to put into every scenario and into the characters for people to enjoy when they come and play it. So that, that that's something that's gotten a lot of positive feedback. I have to speak about negative feedback as well. Um, in the last riddle, we decided to have a, there can be only one rule. So people were getting 10 extra tournament points and five extra tournament points respectively for only having one duplicate or two duplicates. And it made for a really interesting field of armies. I think out of 15 players, 14 used to uh, go for not having any duplicates in the list. But I also got a lot of negative feedback from the community about the rule in general uh, because it discouraged people from um, actually playing in a tournament. And so I think it's important with that openness when you try new things to get the feedback from the players. And so in the future, for example, we're not going to do that anymore because I heard more negative opinions about it than positive opinions. But yeah, that's the that's the opportunity of a tournament. You get to like do it your way and uh, try the new things. And that's the, probably the most enjoyable part for me. There's a lot of things we can do with um, experimenting with rules. And there's a, a venue and an opportunity to do that. But I, um, uh, just generally speaking, we, we, we definitely want to make sure that when we talk to our community, we're definitely encouraging that they give us some feedback on on, on what they'd like to see in an event. And, and, I, and I, I know I know Rashad has done an, an, a huge amount of effort talking to the community uh, and and making an event that and listening to people and saying, hey, let's try this. I mean, I'm not I'm not against any of the listening to the community stuff. And by all means, I think we should do that. Uh, the. Um, the, I think in an idea when we make something drastic where where it changes people's armies, we, we definitely need to share that with the community prior to to it. And thankful thankfully this was a UB event, so it's not dramatic. But but uh, in a in person event, we definitely need to, to keep those kinds of ideas in mind. And that's what you try to do. I mean, I get what Rashad said. Sometimes when you run a tournament or or or, or your community organizer, sometimes it's like a thankless job. And to do it mm-hmm. in the end, you have to do it like. I've talked about on the show, I do countercharge not to have people tell me they like it or don't like it. For me, it's like paying it forward. It's my public service to try to, and it's fun to do, but it's you're trying to do stuff to help the community so that the community is always there for you. So, but always, you know, I think it's always good if you go to a tournament, just tell your TO thank you. You know, give them a round of applause because it is a lot of work um, to put together these type of events. But the Riddle of Seal is super fun. Um, I know, like I, I mentioned before, Nick Murray and Blake out in Reno are starting to get events going. I think they're trying to get an event for March, April, May going. And I know they have 12 or 15 players. He, I was talking with him just the other day. Who Nick, who, Nick Murray and Blake. Who are, these, who are the two? Again? Blake Robinson, yeah. Yeah, from uh, Reno area. Yeah, okay. Blake's been doing a lot of stuff, posting on the the Facebook page for him, and the, a huge community has popped up in Reno recently. We didn't even know it existed until about a year yeah. ago. So I'm super excited. When are we driving? Again to play when those are we, guys. When are we going over there? Well, he told me they oh, have yeah. an event coming up, and they have like 12 or 15 people signed up already. And I'm, just like, I'm down. We should go. But you know, I also think, I mean, not to like offer Scott's place, but we, I don't think we've had him over yet. So I think it'll be. No, a they, good they need to come down to Scott's yeah. for a weekend to do. Please. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nevada is a part of the West Re- Masters region, but really the West Masters region and Hawaii too. The West Masters region has for so many years just been California, right? So I yeah. think as we start to kind of actually get more players from um, the other areas in our in our region will be great because I don't know, kind of how like 
we had envisioned it is our goal was to try to get two major events in California where we would have a Northern California tournament and a Southern California tournament. And Britain's been growing the uh, Bay of Kings, which last year was super successful. We had people from three or four different states come in. We did a wine tour. Sort of the deal with the Bay of Kings is the Friday before Bay of Kings, we're going to do some sort of spouse-friendly Bay Area thing. So last year we did a wine tour. We went to this castle. So, so we're fun. yeah. So we're trying to make our uh, events in California spouse friendly. Uh, California is such an amazing state as far as uh, things to go see. So we're really trying to incorporate that. Um, you know, uh, uh, of sort of elements as is one day hopefully when we host a Masters in California. Like what are the things that we could try to implement? So I know that uh, uh, trying to make it travel fr- as travel friendly as possible because since we know to come to a tournament in california you have to fly here essentially if you're coming from anywhere you know in the mid to uh south of the country so i know that's something we've all talked about is trying to make events here in california f- friendly to those who are who are traveling and it's that idea if you come here we're going to take care of you because i know when i go to your tournament uh, and, and that's something Rashad mentioned earlier about the recipro- reciprocity of travel and tournaments is that you make the effort to go to a tournament and while there you make friends and then the people who you meet at that tournament then make an effort to come to your tournament and you start building the like the rainbow bridge, you know, back and forth between sending people to your events or them coming to yours. Um, exactly. We're going to have a rivalry, have- hopefully, with Mark Cox sometime, who runs the biggest tournament in the U.S. U.S. and A. Sorry, I got excited. Hey, Kyle, you know, with Blake and, and those guys over there, they need to, with the Reno guys, they need to uh, come up with a structured event that it could be points calculated for um, for Masters yeah, events. Yeah, I, I definitely think and, they're they're planning on that. And I think it was kind of waiting for waiting for COVID to clear. And once people, I think, I think he's waiting on once everyone's kind of cleared to start running around again, uh, to have like a West Coast style. Yeah, because they want to be they want to be involved in the master scene, so they want yeah. like a qualifying event to be held in Reno. So we're going, and I'm like I'm a hundred thousand percent on board with getting yeah. a, a, a third qualifying event. You know, get as many qualifying events as possible. So that's definitely on the the docket. And I'm good. Have you? I'm friends. I'm Facebook friends with Blake Robertson. I mean, if you see the pictures of that dude, he looks like somebody you can ride a motorcycle with, smoke cigars, drink Captain Morgan. Like, I can't wait to meet the Reno. <laughs> if I'm gonna get in a bar fight, he would be a guy who I would want like on my side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Kyle too. That's what I do. I'm kind of like a short of stature guy, so I just hang out, hang out with all like the wrestler dudes, and then, <laughs> and then just be like, hey, these are my buddies. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to meet him. Plus, you know, we have think about it. Just we never talked about this, but Reno itself, and I've never been, but I know it's a gambling city. So hosting there for them tournaments and whatnot is super cheap because you know there's lots of hotels, there's lots of there's lots of money being made from other things, kind of like Las Vegas. And personally, I don't like Las Vegas for a venue because it's a distracting place. Like when you when you're in Vegas, people after the games and stuff wouldn't. I, I know that from the last GW Masters that we had there, and I didn't go, but the feedback was always, you know, there's so much distraction around you that people are not really socializing much after the games. I was just gonna say, if you're familiar with 40k, uh, they've had some really interesting challenges running the uh, their big uh, the LVO annual LVO out yeah. there, 
and that that's just a nightmare. Last year, they their computer broke, and so when you have twelve hundred people out there playing in their in their forty k event, and and then the computers break, they just say, "Well, there's a delay here." Well, the games go longer, and the result is the the result is that if you have plans for Vegas, so you have a, an evening show that you want to go to and everything, people stop attending the game like they literally just because they're out there in vegas in their mind right so that's that's the that's one of the challenges that that comes along with that and i I, and that's one of those fields too when you have that many people and just in 40k in general it's being just so hyper competitive is that sometimes Mm -hmm. players if they lose their first game they're like peace i'm out yeah you know because peace out yeah yeah that blows my mind just like think about that in king's war at that's such a rare thing and it's so common in a lot of other tournament scenes. It just blows my mind. It's like, well, okay, you're not going to win, but isn't this fun? And I forget sometimes that a lot of other games tournaments are not fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I love our scene so much is because I think it really is like, I've often called Kings of War, the Goldilocks game where it's not too small. It's not too big. It's just right. Just I mean, we can always right. work on growing it, <laughs> but I mean, it's just really nice mixture of big, but still, not not too big to where you just can't be a jerk because everyone's going to know that you're a jerk. So I think that there is like you never see that. And I've only ever think I've been to one Kings or maybe one or two Kings tournaments where someone pieces out early after losing. I mean, it's super rare. Yeah. You know, I've thought about so many times because obviously I enjoy playing the games, but I don't always enjoy playing six games over a weekend. But so many times I've thought about just flying to a tournament and just hanging out so that I get to enjoy the people and socialize Dan and watch Minor. Dan Miner did that at Masters. He just came out and <laughs> flew out to the game and hung out with us. It was fantastic. It's a, it's a party. It's amazing. You get to have dinner yeah. with people and talk about war games and enjoy. And that's the, be- that's the best part of our tournaments, really. Yeah. And he's a good dude. And he's got his own um, – um, what do they call that where, where you make – different um peripheral things to for for the games so he's got like laser cut type stuff and minor creations yeah minor minor creations creations. that's it yeah he bought trophies widgets tokens uh he also runs cruise hammer he runs a he runs a a multiple events on a cruise ship i I mean obviously that's not going to be very popular this year i don't know i don't know why but going (laughs) forward it's actually not a bad format to you know be with a bunch of other gamers on a cruise ship drink be in a pool and play board games all day that's pretty gamer dudes you know yeah, <laughs> on a cruise ship, getting drunk. Well, awesome, fellas. Um, so if, you, if you're interested in what's going on with uh, Kings of War in uh, California, you can always join the Kings of War U.S. West Coast Facebook page. And then like how you guys have talked about earlier, there's a Surge and Destroy Facebook page, right? Absolutely. And yeah, you guys totally are totally open to having people from who just want to come and get to know you guys from outside the league. Anyone can join. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and real yeah. quick, just uh, just to toot my own horn. Um, I had a one day tournament set up, and it was meant primarily to be a, a recruitment tool and have new players come in. And that was scheduled uh, March twentieth something in twenty twenty, and of course that fell through. But once things open up again, uh, I'll be throwing a uh, one day tournament, nineteen ninety five, at uh, the world famous Brookhurst Hobbies, uh, and that's kind of be use as a way to kind of show the other communities because a lot of people out there who used to play fantasy or just board games in general haven't got to see kings of war be played much and anyone looking to jump in or just have an, an easy one day tournament uh keep an eye out on the west coast page and the sad page and i'll post it up once uh things open up again and i will be yeah. there 100 percent. you know so 
uh, let me chime in on on this part too. I've I've got to, so we all have our little different roles in in this ad league. Um, I'm my role is is communication. So what I do is I, I usually step up and I talk to folks about what's going on our events uh, and encourage the events and and try to bring the community together. Uh, I I have a, a YouTube channel where we where we do a number of different event reviews and. Uh, activities on the channel, so I'm, I'm going to be making uh, make that more visible as we move forward with it. COVID is kind of keeping us uh, out of a, a little bit of the gaming, you know, in person playing, but but we are doing a few things as we go. One of the things that I've been doing uh, for the last six months is 3D printing. So I've got a 3D printer and a resin printer. I actually have a, uh, uh, quite a few projects going at the same time. So um, I'm planning on having a, another video where we're going to kind of come together and talk about some of the gotcha moments in 3D printing. Because I think I get a lot of questions over Facebook about um, a variety of uh, what products to get and uh, what what, uh, what my experience has been like. And I think it would be great to share a little bit of that experience uh, for what it's like Um if if you're trying to to do maybe uh, a project that doesn't exist, so you're you're trying to explore something a little bit um, um, more of a novelty, you can you can go with this approach with a uh, with a resin printer, and I can um, kind of uh, help. Can I you make a request gotcha for your elements. channel? Mm-hmm, sure. Could you also do some entry level airbrush stuff? Because I just got an airbrush not that long ago, and I haven't done much with it, and I'm just really nervous to start. And I know you oh, do airbrushing, absolutely. right? Oh, absolutely. So uh, I've been doing airbrushes for years. And as I actually started face painting, I used to volunteer at uh, my local church. And um, during holidays and events, one of the things that I did was I, I face painted children. So uh, they, you know, obviously it was more of a, you know, hey, I want a dinosaur. And, you know, it was just a, a fun, creative way to to get kids involved and uh, at church. And, and so um, that's how I got into the whole airbrushing uh, idea, and then it started off with something simple, and then it, and then before you know it, you've you're like, hey, you know, I can do this for models, and um, and so now I do terrain and, and a broader scope of it. I've explored a lot of different um, platforms for it and a lot of different methods. So I'd be happy to share some of my experiences uh, with that. Absolutely. Awesome. So I can do that. Yeah. So Kyle's got his event coming up. More news to follow. Mike uh, has you know his YouTube channels coming up. Um, and I know in the past, Mike, uh, you guys had done the, uh, hammer time slash West coast Kings podcast. And I know in the past you guys have talked to maybe about trying to relaunch that in some sort of shape or form Has anything kind of come out of that. Or is that with under the COVID on hold for now, sort of umbrella. That's a great question. Um, so, uh, doing the, due to the COVID stuff, it's, the great part about the West Coast Hammer Time thing was it was literally like you said it was like a you're a, as a listener you're on the you're flying on the wall and you get to experience some of our conversations in person and there's an appreciation for how what we have for the hobby and we wanted to share that with with everyone and um, taking you know Scott and I Scott's been really busy with his house uh, getting as you know he was uh, scheduled to be on this and he wasn't able to make it. Um, th- Kyle and I have been trying, uh, and we've had a couple of shows where where we touch on a few subjects, uh, and uh, life has been a little bit challenging. Uh, me trying to get my my new um, hobby room together. So, but but yes, the the plan is to move forward with uh, that that hob that um, that 
uh, we're going to probably call it along, you know, search and destroy some, something along that, but mm-hmm. um, we're, we're still working on, on what we want to call it. I wanted to get Scott Moore uh, and, and Rashad, he, he's always a, a great guy to have around and, and I, I want to get, get the community. Yeah. I want to get the whole, as many people that, that want to participate in it and, and get a chance to share. Um, it really is just uh, us guys kind of around and just hanging out. I mean, it's, it's, that's really what the intention of it is. So, awesome. uh, and then Rashad, what's your, are you hoping in the fall maybe to do riddle steel in person or what's your sort of thinking on riddle steel for 2021? You know, I mentioned my dad earlier, like we've been living apart for a long time. So I've, I've seen my dad three, four times in the last 15 years, and it was usually a month at a time. So and he's getting older. So I've been thinking in May, once the pandemic gets a little bit uh, more under control, hopefully in Europe as well, I'm thinking about traveling to Germany and staying there for at least six months. So the, the plan for me is I'm, I'm not planning on probably going to Masters this year if it takes place. And I'm also not going to be able to run a tournament during that time. I also don't think I want to run an actual travel tournament this year in California for lots of reasons. I think it's going to be the logistics of it in COVID times, apart from the ethical questions, are going to be very difficult with me being in Germany. So I think the riddle will be something that will take next year and uh, early summer. Uh, stages cool that's well then the that's where you can really take advantage too of like california's great weather too you know what i mean if people want to come out it's a it's a good and i know britain has talked about uh you know he may be moving to san diego or prior to covid was thinking about it and he w- ha- had been talking about maybe wanting to do like an an outdoor barbecue tournament you know where you I play outside so i think there's some ways we can market california tournaments you know i've thought about like I, I, I'm renting like a van or something and I'll go pick everyone up at the airport in my Hawaiian shirt and like ship captain hat and the, the Jeremy mobile will come pick you up uh, 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 in my board shorts and Hawaiian shirt. And, uh, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll take any stops to any local uh, legal in California facilities that you'd like to stop at. And then uh, we'll, we'll deliver you. I will deliver you personally to the event of your choice. So uh, I, I can't wait. You know, the, you mentioned the weather and that's the thing we haven't talked about much. But California has obviously amazing weather. And I can't wait for us to have a tournament here and then have a good like Hana Asada burrito somewhere and then have some tequila get in that hot tub. Yeah, I can't wait for all that, you know, fun California <laughs> stuff to be happening to the tournament community. Sure. I, I know they're going to love it. For sure. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on. I'm I'm proud and privileged and um, really happy that you guys have become a part of my family over the last couple of years. And I think that, like I said, what we lack in size in California, we have such a great, good group of like really caring, genuine, authentic people in our community. And I know we're excited to grow that community and to travel other places. But please, please, if you know anyone in California who's interested in wargaming, just reach out to us on Facebook. You know, often people will tag myself or Rashad or Kyle or Mike or any, just tag us in a Facebook post if you see someone asking about where there is to get games in in California or, uh, you know, uh, Arizona or Reno or any any of the sort of West region areas. Yeah, and I think we're, you know, the light is at the end of the tunnel, tunnel hopefully. So, you know, this time next year, maybe we'll be in a position to where we'll just like look back at this crazy couple of years and be like, wow, that was wild. Any other final thoughts, fellas? Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing the show. Yeah.
Yeah, I'll, Thanks I'll see you guys in I'll see you guys in Houston uh, for Lone Wolf. Uh, I heard Dustin Howard has his own gaming harem over in Texas. Uh-huh. So I'm going to bring uh, Phil Collins with me. Yes, that Phil Collins to play. Wait, Fort Worth, though, right? Because it's, yeah, it's, it's Fort Worth, right? Oh, it's, it's it's not Fort Worth. Yeah, but uh, Dustin Howard, he he's in Houston, right? Uh, I, I think, think so, yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Greater. I, I, he, he's just wherever there's the big giant tires for him to flip in, yes. his, in <laughs> his workout a dungeon. <laughs> So I got super jealous. I'm 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 creating my own gaming harem over here, and uh, not everyone I uh, uh, that's over here could come, but uh, Phil Collins will be there. Your you're followers, undead, you're, so. you're, you're my, yeah, bringing my, your own my loyal uh, minions. Your I'll minions, party hats. He does. Like Howard just has those things. People send him lists, and he's like, "Do this," and then they're like, yeah. "Okay." And then it's are you are you going cadre. over to Dustin's, Kyle? No, no, he doesn't live oh, okay. in uh, Dallas, but I I know he'll be at the All tournament. Right. So yeah, got it. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, April seventeenth, eighteenth, I believe. I got my t- I got my ticket, um, my hotel room. Um, I'm also uh, I really one of the reasons going a la vaccines and all that stuff that are we've talked about making me feel safer going. But I'm getting married in August, and Hillary has not met any of my Texas family yet. So she is going to be coming, and so my my beautifully bodacious voluptuous tattooed girlfriend is going to meet my super religious texas family so that should be uh, uh interesting i'm like preparing her you know because she's I, I love her to death she's really feisty so she'll get into it with people who disagree with her not in a negative way but in like a she stands she she stands strong to her beliefs so it's going to be like wild um it's going to be interesting right my yeah, family's from Texas too, so you know how it is. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. So, and I know like uh, they're going to uh, uh, give her a hard time and stuff, but she's never been to Texas, and uh, but she loves. She had a really great time hanging out with Jen Swan, at, uh, a Jeff's wife, at uh, and and Todd's wife Baby was Kings. there too at, at Babe so Kings. Cool. Right. So she's really they're loves cool people. Yeah, she really loves the tournament environment, so she's really excited to come. And, dude, uh, dude, you haven't heard ever. the story yet. You haven't heard the story. So remember at Bay of Kings when I got up there and uh, there was stuff missing? So I went back to the house. I drove back to the house, and everybody's like, can you bring this? Can you bring this? Can you bring this? And I was like, okay, do I need a little list? So I drove back to the house, and your wife and Jen, and, and they all helped me find all this stuff at the awesome. house. Awesome. And it was like so cool because it was like, oh man, even back here, everybody was like so super helpful. Man, it was so cool. But anyway, I just wanted to share that. It's yeah, like, you know, I think we should that. give a, a shout out to the spouses and girlfriends yeah. and, and friends and all the people, our, our partners, or whoever in your life who helps us. Because like I couldn't game and do my gaming if my partner wasn't supportive of that. So yeah. I mean, and in the end, it's what makes you happy. And I think you want to be with a partner who wants you to be happy and who. Yeah encourages you to follow your your passions and your and your dreams and all that stuff so i'm that i'm was so cool because i mean i drove out to Kings. it was so cool kyle and i went up there we had a great time up there and then a lot of you know some of the texas guys came out for bay of kings which was so cool that was just the coolest and we had a great time we had a, we had a fantastic yeah, pacific northwest so guys a bunch of the pacific north, north of dan dan big dan nobody yeah. mentioned got, barbie nobody mentioned the carnazada i made for everybody oh dude Oh, that was That's amazing. right. Rashad brought the meat. I remember. <laughs> I can always count on Rashad to get tasty the, meat. 
Everyone was a bit uh, blasted. Whatever, uh, remember that we now, were so. lit, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the craziest Airbnb experience I've ever had in my life. We had like 20, 30 like, of we us. We planned it for five people, and we had 20-plus people sleeping on the floor. We <laughs> had one giant Airbnb where 90% of the tournament was sleeping at one Airbnb <laughs> on air mattresses that were empty, and Dan, Big Dan Wright was snoring, I guess. Oh, I don't know my goodness. So... Uh, the last night, Jeff and his wife are like s- sleeping outside under the stars they because did. they're like, we got to get outside of these two crazy people. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Wow. It was nice. It was yeah, just totally, sport, so. totally fun. It was really nice. So. Well, awesome. Yeah. So walk, right, get on our Facebook, get on the West Coast uh, Facebook, get on Search and Destroy, sh- hit us up for any um, information you want about the West Coast scene. And uh, remember, as always, keep counter charge for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.